welcome to the fourth episode of the Weber 2.0 podcast. This is a special edition of European Talks, the only podcast focusing on the EU integration of the Western Balkan region. My name is Miloš Džinđić and I am program manager and senior researcher of European Policy Center CEP, Belgrade and lead researcher of Weber 2.0. So today, for a chat about the small states and the challenges of small states in achieving good governance principles with the reflection of the Western Balkans, of course, we have the pleasure and honor to be here today with uh, Professor Tina ranma Liv. Uh, Professor Tina is a chair of a public management and policy at the Tallinn University of Technology, where she currently also serves as a vice dean of the Faculty of Social Sciences and is a member of the University Council. Professor Tina research focus, wide research focus, shall I say, includes the impact of fiscal crisis on public administration, public sector structure, civil service reforms, policy transfer, and small states. And yes, by the way, Professor Professor Tina is also um, Weber Advisory Council member. So uh, after this uh, formal, rather formal introduction, uh, hello, Professor Tina, and uh, welcome on board. And it is really, really a pleasure to have you for this uh, conversation. Yeah, thank you very much, Milos, for this very kind invitation. It's my great pleasure to serve in the Weber Advisory Board and also a great pleasure to share with you my thoughts on small states. Uh, and uh, I hope that will also be interesting and useful to the listeners of this podcast. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that it will. We didn't touch upon on this issue, which seems quite relevant also for Weber, but... Uh but also more more uh, generally so yes this is this is really excellent we are very glad to to open up a discussion about about this issue so uh professor tina uh to begin with maybe we can give uh, our listeners an introduction like a brief introduction to the small states the definition so what it means in this research area why 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 is this important why it matters and uh, basically where does the need uh, to explore this um, this area come from from your uh, from your personal uh, experience. So please. Uh, yes. Uh, well, uh, uh, I will start with a definition of small states because uh, there is always a problem that is there is no universal definition of small states. So some people say that well, even even like rather larger countries. Uh, with 10 or 20 million population are small, but other, uh, uh, other times, you know, you think that, well, the really small country is something like Montenegro, right? Yeah. So, uh, so basically what researchers do, they distinguish between external and internal perspective, uh, perspectives of uh, states. So let's say if we take states in the international arena, like in, in, the, in the global economy or international relations, then, then we talk about like small powers or small economies. And there we can already say that those countries which have 10 million populations, they are, they are rather small in, in the international perspective. But the other perspective is uh, internal uh, perspective uh, of small states, and that includes public administration. And this is when we just look at a specific country and which is very, which doesn't take into account so much the country's power relations to other countries, 
but just the internal characteristics of countries. And for this kind of uh, internal perspective, the, the definition of small states is lower. Uh, researchers say that sometimes it's 3 million populations, others even say that it's sort of 1 million population. Mm -hmm. So nowadays, um, we can't draw a line between small and large states, but uh, more often we talk about the continuum of size. This means that uh, states can be expected to have certain small states characteristics the more one goes down the scale in terms of uh, population. So uh, why this is important? It is important because uh, most of the... Um, of the uh, research comes from uh, large states scholars. Most mm -hmm. of the policy recommendations come from on the basis of large states uh, information and large states uh, research. Yes. Very often also the, the international organizations that give some advice or big international consultancies their employees come from large states and have that background. Also, most researchers come from large states. That means that, uh, that the international and sort of recognized knowledge is very much based on the experience of large states. And uh, what I would like to argue is that small states are uh, specific, they are unique, and we have to take these characteristics into account when, uh, when uh, designing public administration reforms. I think, yeah, thank you. I think this is really relevant for uh, the Western Balkan region as well, because all of the countries, as you know, are in the EU accession process. And we uh, here are trying to align with the different uh, standards and principles and requirements um, in this, in this uh, process. So basically, <clears throat> I was just wondering if you agree that uh, just what you said um, about the uh, experience of uh, larger countries or bigger countries is also the case here, right? So all the accumulated, uh, let's say, uh, knowledge and the standards in the public administration reform area, for example, are actually drawn from the experience of the larger countries. Is that so in your, uh, in your opinion? Yes, absolutely. And I think it's indeed a very valid point for the Western Balkan countries, which uh, basically all, of course, Serbia to a lesser extent, they all are small countries. Yeah, that uh, was my, yeah. Uh -huh. Yeah, sorry, that was my uh, also second point that I just want to mention based on this external and internal uh, definition, right? So Western Balkans would definitely, Western Balkan countries would definitely <clears throat> sorry, fall into this category of uh, small states in terms of the size of the, uh, in terms of the size of the population, right? Uh, but then again, uh, we often see that small countries have large administration, large government, right? I have some, you know, relatively fresh data from the government at a glance from the OECD, that says that four Western Balkan countries uh, that they have data for have on average um, higher share of public sector employment out of the total employment, of course, than the OECD average. So uh, is this also something that we need to uh, take into account? And uh, wh wh why is that? I mean, do small states need bigger governments? 
uh, yes, to a certain extent, this is true because uh, small states have to fulfill all the uh, functions of an independent state. And since the population is smaller, so uh, <clears throat> that leads to the, to the empirical evidence which shows that uh, very often in small state government is one of the biggest uh, employers. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and quite often the relative size of government is bigger in, in society compared to the, to the large countries, just because, uh, uh, because small states, uh, small governments have to fulfill the same, uh, uh, same roles, same, same functions as in, in large countries. And uh, no state can abandon uh, classical state functions. So mm-hmm. basically, uh, and we can't also contract out uh, classical state functions, such sure. as, I don't know, courts or uh, basic education or social services. These are very much related to the languages and so on. And, mm-hmm. uh, uh, and we have to provide public services in the, in the national languages. Yeah, so small states are actually in, uh, in bigger trouble, right? They have to fulfill uh, all the functions with fewer... Fewer resources, both resources, uh, human right. and, and financial yeah. resources. That's true. And that makes all kind of cost efficiency measures very important for small countries. Mm-hmm. Also, another point is that, uh, that uh, um, uh, in small countries, there are more monopolistic public service providers than in large states. Let's say public transportation, social services, education, health. That means that small states cannot rely so much on market mechanisms as uh, large countries. And okay. that makes uh, very important the role of government as a regulator. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's really, really important to build up this kind of regulatory capacities in small states. In small states. And the other side of this coin is, of course, that... Uh, that uh, there can be some some fears of corruption as well, because if these regulatory capacities are not there. Uh, excellent. Uh, since you mentioned the corruption, <laughs> I just wanted to uh, touch upon uh, one point uh, that is mentioned in your research and that uh, seems quite relevant. And this is about the importance of personal relationships in uh, in small states. Now, um, the importance of this um, is because there are consequences apparently for governance, right? So for example, it's harder to um, implement some principles of recruitment, let's say, or performance appraisal of public servants in a way that, uh, you know, is deemed uh, good administration, right? So this is, uh, this is uh, one of your points. So my question would be, do you think that uh, in general, this makes merit principle in small states uh, something that is non-implementable, actually? In practice, are we speaking about that? And um, if you have any uh, reflection or thoughts or uh, any on the Western Balkan examples, please feel free to to uh, say something about that too. Mm-hmm. Yes, this is this is a very good question, and uh, this kind of importance of individuals, importance of informal relations, 
is indeed one of the key characteristics of uh, small societies. And basically that goes back to the slogan, everyone knows everyone else. You know, mm-hmm. it's not literally yes. so, but basically if you are anybody in a small country, either in private sector or NGO or public mm-hmm. sector, you basically know the people who are who yes. are active in the same area. This is also uh, this also reminds of the smaller communities, you know, where everyone knows who the judge is, exactly. who the department, uh, chief of the police department is, etc. Exactly. And it's good to so, have good relationships with these people, right? Exactly. And the head of the chief uh, chief police can also be your neighbor. Exactly. Or, or, or relative. Uh, or parent of your child's uh, classmate or something yes. like that. So that means that people meet the same people over and over again in the past, in the present, mm-hmm. in the future. And, and that actually leads to sort of a special social ecology of uh, small society and very sort of closely knit uh, communities. It doesn't mean that everyone is friend with everyone else. I think this is always a mistake that is made by the uh-huh. large, large state citizens that they think that, oh, you know, everybody so you are necessarily friends. Not mm-hmm. at all. Uh, more often, well, you can be either friends or enemies. It's the research shows that uh, in small societies, all these personal relations are very often, they are not so much neutral, but they can, they can often be uh, either positive or negative. Um, so, uh, so basically, um, and that also means that uh, if we look at... Uh, at uh, relationships within a society, usually they are taken as sort of in two poles, uh, universalistic versus particularistic. And universalistic is basically sort of objective, sort of neutral, uh, it's based on the neutral roles between uh, uh, among uh, citizens, so that you that if you have a neighbor, you take him or her only as a neighbor and you don't consider other roles. But if your neighbor is also a teacher of your, of your child, that means that in small societies, these different roles are very often sort of mixed up. And that means that, uh, that these relationships in small societies tend to be more particularistic than in, in uh, large societies. So it, it's often more important who the person is rather than what he or she does in some uh, uh, sort of universalistic model. Yes, yes, yes. And this, indeed, this indeed has also consequences to the civil service and indeed mm-hmm. to, the, to the merit principles in particular. So basically... What is characteristic to small states is that very often specific ideas are identified with specific persons. They are not taken as sort of neutral ideas put forward, but they have like a footprint or fingerprint of a specific person who has proposed it or, or who is actively supporting it. Also, the, the research shows that very often in, in small civil uh, services, uh, civil servants are not only job takers, but also job makers. Uh-huh. Uh, and so that each person who comes to an organization, you know, the organization wants to make use of all his uh, knowledge and uh, skills 
And so very often also individuals are able to, to sort of adopt their uh, jobs uh, to their uh, skills and knowledges and, uh, and, uh, and so on. Yes, also, this, mm-hmm. yeah, sorry. So th- uh, this seems to be important for another uh, point of yours from your research that says uh, there is a monopoly of expertise, so to say, um, because you know jobs can be created around knowledge and abilities of specific person or persons, right? Rather than ideal uh, standards. So to say, so uh, administration can end up, you know, having a small pool of people that know how to perform perform, perform uh, certain uh, state functions, right? Uh, public administration functions. Is 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 that so? And how? Uh, I mean, from the bigger perspective, how does this, um, uh, you know, interplay with the uh, um, accountability of the administration and responsiveness in the in the long run? Yeah. Uh, yes, basically, this kind of uh, lack of expertise is also a characteristic of small countries, and, and this relates to the highly specialized public administration. So we, we, we basically, what, what public administrations in contemporary world face are very complex policy problems and need for evidence-based policy making, professional public service delivery. And that requires high degree of specialization. Mm-hmm. But in small countries, uh, there are problems with having this kind of uh, high, uh, high level specialist. And that, that has to do with both supply and demand of uh, uh, specialist skills. First, very often the educational system does not provide very specialized education because there is uh, missing economies of scale in education. So uh, just to bring some example, uh, it's difficult to, uh, to, let's say, study sort of specialized policy areas such as uh, environmental policy or health policy or education policy. Uh, because there is just such a limited need for these specialists in small countries. On the other hand, you really need these specialists in in any public administration. So um, that means that uh, if you have some specialist skills, it's easy to become a sort of domestic champion in a narrow Mm -hmm. specialization. Mm But the other side of this coin is that there is not so much competition. You may mm-hmm. become sort of, you, you may uh, stay in your comfort zone and not develop further. And, and there is also very often these specialists feel lonely. They don't yeah. have like professional discussion, for example. And, and that means that in small countries, there is often less uh, professional discussion about different alternative solutions in public uh, policies, let's say mm-hmm. different civil service systems, different mm-hmm. financial management models. So this may be lacking because of the, of the shortage of, uh, of relevant specialists. 
Okay. So, so and mm -hmm. also it's 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 very difficult to control these uh, these specialists because uh, because who is able to say that he or she is a real specialist and, yes, and exactly. that goes that goes back to these uh, mm -hmm. merit system uh, problems in small countries. Exactly. So I uh, I understand that there is a problem with the. Um, let's say, on the public competition part, for example, when it comes to recruitment in the civil service. They might be you know, fewer people who are entering from, uh, from the outside just because of this um, uh, people uh, who are entrenched, let's say, within the, within the system, in the institutions. And this, this is definitely a disadvantage, let's say, for the, for the purpose of this conversation uh, because of you know possibility of uh, party patronage or uh, nepotisms or corruption, etc. But is there also an advantage there? Like, for example, is there more opportunity for the uh, people, uh, existing civil servants, to, uh, you know, vertically climb the ladder and, uh, so to say, improve and have more incentives to perform better so they can uh, move up? Is this something that empirical evidence can prove or we can at least you know theoretically say something about this mm -hmm. yes there is, there is evidence to really show that uh, in small countries uh, young people can make faster careers they can really uh, they can really reach important uh, positions uh, more quickly than in large countries but the problem is that then they they meet the ceiling. They 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 see their career ceilings uh, very quickly, and then the question is where they develop further. Yeah, what next? So, so basically, it gives uh, the small country context give gives lots of opportunities to individuals who are interested in self development, uh, improvement their knowledge and careers. But mm -hmm. on the other hand. Uh, uh, there are limited uh, vertical uh, uh, career opportunities in small countries, and that's why this kind of horizontal career moves can become much more important. And mm -hmm. also the career moves across the boundaries of the public sector, let's say between the between the public sector and NGOs, policy think tanks, you know, which all require these kind of uh, policy specialists in, in particular fields. Exactly, yes, and, yes. And, and that would also increase the quality of discussion in the society so that, mm -hmm. because otherwise we, we, we say that due to this, uh, this uh, presence of real specialists, there is some kind of democratic deficit in small countries because... Mm -hmm. Very often, the political parties do not have competent uh, uh, sort of competence on specific policy fields, mm -hmm. and and uh, and the com and this kind of expertise is very often with the civil servants, mm -hmm. and 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 there there are also less sort of veto points in small societies where some somebody else says that oh it doesn't work, you know there are other options as well, and mm -hmm. and so the more these kind of uh, uh, specialists on particular policy fields are spread out, 
across society the better and the more this can actually contribute to this kind of democratic uh, uh, discussions mm-hmm. and and, uh, and uh, the quality of uh, of public policies as yes uh, i'm afraid there, there is a, a lot of interesting topics here and we also touched upon democratic deficit and the quality of democratic discussion but the Time flies so fast. So I, uh, if you allow me, I will just have uh, one more question. Uh, and maybe at least to me, uh, for this podcast, which is the, the most important one to hear your uh, opinion. So I mentioned at the beginning the EU accession process. So this is uh, standardized, let's say, in terms of what needs to be uh, done to, um, to join the union, to become a member state. Um, in all areas, but also in public administration form, where we have these uh, principles, but let's say, of public administration. So, um, your thought on whether this EU conditionality, uh, when it comes to governance, do you think that it completely ignores these uh, uh, specifics and idiosyncrasies of small states that we just, you know, discussed uh, throughout this conversation, and? Um, do you think, like just your opinion, uh, this needs or can be, you know, changed or revised or anything else? Because uh, from what we heard today is that uh, large country experience and uh, or experience of larger countries in plural, right, uh, is not so easy to copy paste, uh, specifically because of these um, characteristics of small states that you just uh, that you uh, explained in a very nice way so your thoughts yes uh, basically i would like to start saying that there is no sort of one size fits all solutions in mm-hmm. public administration even among the large states or among the small states each country is specific and the context really matters and, and smallness is one of these contextual uh, factors that really mm-hmm. needs to be taken into account. At the same time, um, uh, I would say, I, I wouldn't say that uh, the EU conditionality really completely ignores mm-hmm. the reality of small states. Smallness does not justify nepotism or patronage. It also sure. doesn't justify corruption. So, so, but it makes the, the, the building up of meritocratic principles uh, more complicated. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, uh, and, and there can be some uh, characteristics in small uh, countries that are not so familiar to the large country experts. Uh, so basically, very often when we look at uh, literature on development administration, I mean the public administration in less developed countries, we see also like uh, importance of personal relationships, mm-hmm. particularism, informal communication and decision making, uh, nepotism, lack of specialists. So that means that very often these kind of characteristics of uh, less developed countries and small countries overlap. Mm-hmm. But, uh, and, uh, and, and some of these characteristics are very inherent uh, to small countries. At the same time, as I said, they, they don't justify uh, 
patronage or corruption. Mm -hmm. yep. So what, what is important for the small countries is that they can't build up exactly the same structures and processes as large countries. And there should be some flexibility to take into account this kind of smaller scale. Uh, also, uh, small countries, as we, as we already discussed, have limited resources. And that's why they have to prioritize much more than large countries. So mm -hmm. instead of having this large uh, shopping list, it makes sense for smaller countries to really prioritize on certain issues also within public administration reform mm -hmm. and to really, to really make sure that there is, uh, uh, there is some kind of structures in place that, uh, that uh, inhibit uh, nepotism or that inhibit uh, corruption. Mm -hmm. And also, uh, so, so this kind of prioritization is very, very important. Uh, another thing is that there is lack of this expertise and that's why in small countries, it, it is perhaps more important than in larger countries to pay attention to the role of NGOs and civil society organizations mm -hmm. and to build systematically their expertise so that they could be involved in the, in the democratic uh, uh, discussions. Yeah, yeah. Uh, another, another uh, topic we didn't have time to touch upon, role of civil society in small states, maybe for uh, another occasion. But I think that uh, for uh, for the end of this uh, very nice conversation, I think that the takeaway message that the flexibility is important, but uh, uh, not uh, at the expense of uh, some uh, principles of uh, good administration. In other words, smallness, as you said, does not justify corruption. I think this is very good, and I and I quite uh, liked it. So, Professor Tina, uh, if if you don't have anything else that you might want to add or say, um, I would like to close this um, podcast uh, at this point to thank you um, once again for um, joining us, for uh, sharing your thoughts on this very uh, important topic. For our listeners, in case you are interested to get to know more about the, uh, the research study area of small states or uh, other um, research papers of our guests today, you, you can uh, freely uh, search on the internet. There are resources um, available um, from uh, Professor Tina Ranmaliv. And finally, just to repeat that uh, uh, all the information about the Weber 2.0 project and our regular activities, especially freshly uh, produced um, uh, monitoring reports of civil society in the Western Balkans on public administration reform are available on our website, www.par-monitor.org. So uh, thank you, Professor Tina, once again. Uh, thank you all for uh, joining this uh, podcast episode and uh, until the next time. Thank you very much, Milos, and good luck with public administration reforms in, in Western Balkans. Thank you.